Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Thanks, David. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be at uh, Cascades again. Um, yeah, and it's always fun to, uh, to uh, preach around Christmas time. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of year, yeah. Uh, now, Christmas is a couple weeks away, so you know. Lands on the 25th this year. Um, how many of you here are hosting Christmas, hosting Christmas dinner? Okay, yeah, oh wow, quite a few of you. How many of you feel any degree of stress in hosting? Oh, okay, yeah, same hands. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Well, it's funny because around this time of year, there's a lot of traditions, right, that go with Christmas. Let me share one tradition that was distinctive to my family when I was growing up. Um, growing up, uh, we had one event that would take place, usually at the beginning of Advent, and the tradition is still marked faithfully by my parents every year. And as Christmas approached and it got closer, my mom would make an announcement. And the announcement would be something like this. We're not doing Christmas this year. <laughs> every year she would say that. Every year she would say, we're not doing Christmas this year. And I'm like, and as a kid, you're like, what? What do you mean we're not doing Christmas? And I didn't really understand, because we always did do Christmas. But she would always be announced, we're not going to do Christmas. And I wondered, why does she feel like making this announcement every year? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Well, I realized later on, it's like, you know, my mom's an introvert. She was an only child. And then she had three boys and a girl. And... Um, and I was the quiet one in the family. And so my mom, there was just so much pressure at Christmas. She had to decorate the house. And she also had to prepare food. And as a kid, you don't get it, right? You don't think about it. But uh, we knew that every, every year that my grandparents and my godparents would come and visit. And we're, as kids, we're like, this is awesome. Grandma and granddad are coming. And, you know, Uncle George, Aunt Sally, they're coming. This is, we didn't realize, we didn't think about it, but they stayed for a month. <laughs> they stayed. So my mom's mom and dad and their godparents, uh, they all stayed for a month. And again, for my brothers and my sister, we're like, this is great. For my mom, it was not so great. And it was, it, so to show hospitality for such a long period of time, was very, very stressful, especially for an introvert like my mom. And in fact, when you think about it, hospitality, showing hospitality is not that easy. It's often quite messy. But one of the things I want to lay out this morning is this, is that hospitality is really, really important. And hospitality is a very important value in the Bible. But when I say practice hospitality, what does that mean? What does it mean to show hospitality? I actually want to hear from you. <laughs> what are some words that come to mind when you think of the word hospitality? Welcome. welcome. Very good. Yes, welcome. Anything else? Yeah, have people over. Usually food, maybe. Yeah. Well, those are things like. 
In fact, the welcome and having people over, you think about that, is actually, um, biblically, to, to, to show hospitality is to create space, is to make room for another. And, and not only uh, room in your house, but room in your heart. And so today, this morning, in anticipation of some of the challenges that many of you may be facing uh, the closer we get to Christmas, and maybe even to prepare you for what you'll be facing in the weeks ahead, I want to offer you three windows of hospitality that we come across in Scripture. And as we look at these windows of hospitality, um, my desire is for you to reflect on what this means or what these pictures look like, and then look at your own life. So, here's the three, uh, the three windows. We're going to start with window number one, and that's found in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, okay? And this is a well-known passage, especially around Christmas time. It's the visit of the wise men, visit of the magi. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ to be born? And they said, In Jerusalem, oh no, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Okay. So that's our first window. And so what I want to look at is look at how different people respond to the invitation from God. How they practice hospitality. The first guy we're going to look at is Herod the Great. And so the question we want to ask is, how does Herod practice hospitality? Well, not that well. Not very well. There's not a lot of welcome in Herod when he hears this news. And Herod is an interesting guy because, like many of you here, Herod doesn't always get along with other family members. Perhaps like none of you here, Herod would often kill his family members. So you guys wouldn't do that. I know that. But Herod was quite the guy. Um, it was actually a bad thing to be related to Herod. Um, there was a saying in the first century, it was better to be Herod's pig than to be a family member. Because we know in Herod's life, he ends up murdering his wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, and his uncle. So, the problem for Herod is that when you occupy all the space in your life, it is hard to make room for anyone. Because people are seen as threats. As people are seen as encroachments against the things that you want to do. And the story of the Magi is no exception. When the Magi uh, show up... Um, they said, you know, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And for Herod, he's like, I'm right here. I'm the king of the Jews. And then imagine, and I know, no, the real king of the Jews. 
And Herod, for him, he's like, I am the king. And he could not make room for anyone else. And I think one of the points out of this is this. If you and I occupy all the space in our life, if everything is about you, it's really hard to make space for another person. And, and the problem is, is when you let another person into your life, things can get messy. It can be disturbing. It can disturb the nicely controlled life that you have made for yourself. And so one of the things about Herod that shows up is he was a guy who wanted control. He was a person who wanted everything under control. And if anything threatened to upset this fine balance, well, he tried to destroy it. And this is what happens here. The Magi come. They said they've been led by a star in order to worship the king of the Jews. And for Herod, this throws his world right off, uh, off balance. It throws him off because it affects the control over things. I'm the king of the Jews. How can there be another? And one of the things that practicing hospitality really does is it messes up our sense of control, doesn't it? Because the moment, the moment you let somebody in, <laughs> it gets messy. Because the moment you let somebody in, you have to deal with their personalities, their quirks, those annoying habits that they have, those things that they always say at Christmas time that are annoying, and you just you don't want to say it because you want to be nice at Christmas time. And it throws you off. And a lot of people, I find a lot of people like. They like people. They like the idea of people. <laughs> they like it in theory. But when people actually encroach into their life, it messes them up. And so in anticipation of what many of you may be facing in the days and weeks ahead, and maybe to prepare you for the weeks ahead, um, we need to look at Herod here. And so what does it say at Christmas time? Well, the question I want to ask you is, how are you going to make space for others at Christmas? Will you make room for them, despite their quirks, despite their idiosyncrasies? Or will you try to control things? And some of you, I know you're thinking, David, <laughs> you have no idea what my mom's like. You have no idea what my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or my, what my friend is like. Well, that's the thing. To practice hospitality, first and foremost, means to let go of control. And you know what? Uh, it's, it's okay to let go of control. Because the reality is, we don't have a lot under our control anyhow. Um, and we need to model this reality. And I always look at this story of Herod. What if Herod had made room? What if Herod said, huh, okay, the stars have led you here that there's another king of the Jews. Um, let's go check this out. What if he opened his clenched hands and made space for the king of kings? Well, I think he would have been reminded that life is not all about him, that life, there's more to life than what he sees, that maybe there's more to life than, than he anticipated, and then maybe there's, there was someone out there, there's, there's something out there that could bring peace to his restless soul. That's the first picture of hospitality, is, is, is Herod. 
And he's a guy who doesn't make a lot of room because he wants to be in control. So don't point at each other, but if you are a person who always wants to be in control, maybe this is a chance to open things up at Christmas. Okay? The second window. The second window is found in Luke chapter 1. And it's a second picture of hospitality, and it concerns a fellow named Zechariah. And look at uh, cha- Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 8. This guy, Zechariah, was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside uh, at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. (laughs) Of course he would be. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. But he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready for a people, uh, for the Lord, a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. And my wife, how can I put it, is advanced in years. Um, Sorry, I added that one part. (laughs) And the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. So here we have a guy, Zechariah. This is our second window of, of hospitality. We have a guy, Zechariah, going through faithfully the right religious motions, right? He's, he's got a job as a, as, as a priest, and he's, and he's going through the, the right religious motions. But you get the sense that he really doubts that what he's doing is making much of a difference. Why do I say this? Well, I think it shows up in the cracks of the story. See, Zechariah, the priest, he would know, he would know that God, he would have known that the God he worshipped, the God before whom he offered incense, may actually show up one day. He, he ought to have known that. And maybe at one point he did know that, but by the time we find him in this passage, the passing years have made him skeptical. Because we read in the cracks of the story that Zechariah experienced some profound disappointments in life, right? We know that for a long time, one of the things, well, there's two things that he hoped for. One is he desired that the Messiah would come and set Israel free from the Romans, right? He echoed all the the, the longing of the day that the Messiah, the, 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 the Savior would come and rescue Israel from the Romans. Okay, that's the one desire. The other desire was a personal one. He wanted to be a dad. He wanted to have children. But he and Elizabeth, his wife, had been unable to have kids. But they both wanted to be parents. And by the time you get to this passage, both Zechariah and Elizabeth are quite old. And this second prayer had long been forgotten. 
But poor Zechariah, he gets surprised on both accounts, on both counts. And, and it's interesting because when the angel speaks to Zechariah, he actually gives an answer to both of, of Zechariah's desires. One for the Messiah and one for, for having children. And I, one thing I love about this passage is this. Is here you have a guy. He had forgotten about his prayers. He had forgotten that he was even wanting a child. He's an old man. And that prayer that he had prayed so long ago had probably left his mind. He's an old man. He's, he's, he's too old to have children. But what I love about this passage is, is it reminds us something really important is that you and I may forget our prayers, but God does not. You and I may have given up on prayers. We may have given up on that prayer for our kid would ever come to know Jesus. You and I may have given up on all sorts of dreams. But God remembers our prayers. And even if we forget, he does not. And I think that's, that's one of the things that shows up in this passage. Is Zechariah, he, he kind of moved on. He's probably just going through the religious motions. So how does this relate to hospitality? Well, many of you here this morning, like Zechariah, are skeptical when it comes to Christmas. Many of you are skeptical that this Christmas will be any different from many of the Christmases you've had before. It's going to be the same stuff. You're, you're skeptical that God can in any way transform that relationship with that relative that you really struggle with. Maybe your brother-in-law, your uncle, your kids. And maybe like Zechariah, you're like, yeah, I don't see it ever changing. It's the same thing every year. And so maybe, maybe, just maybe, God is saying to you this Christmas, I've heard your prayers. You may have given up on them, but I, have, I haven't. And you need to trust me in this and be surprised at what I can do. Now, in the end, we find Zechariah, he does make room. Right? He does make room. They have a child. Zechariah begins to hope. This, his heart had grown hard, but, but he begins to hope. And things begin to change. And I love Zechariah because in his own stumbling ways, he eventually gets things right. And I find that very encouraging because as a Christian, I stumble, I trip, I get things so wrong. But you try, right? And God's grace always surrounds us. And in the end, Zechariah ends up welcoming not only his own son, but he ends up welcoming his son who's going to pave the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist. And so the question is, will you soften your heart and invite Emmanuel, God with us, into your life and into your situation? Or are you skeptical this Christmas? Right? Will you allow yourself to hope that things could be different? 
Which brings us to the third picture of hospitality. And that's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And this is a picture that we find in Mary. Verse 26, In the sixth months, the angel Gabriel was sent, to the, sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph on the, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, uh, will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who uh, who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I love this picture of Mary. Because here you have a person who lets go of control, who's not skeptical, but instead offers a full welcome. Now, even though the news that she gets is complicated, right? It's surprising, it's complicated, and it's a bit messy. There's some good logistical questions Mary brings up, like how will this be since I'm a virgin? Um, Mary still welcomes God into her life. And in doing so, Mary, I think, teaches us something. He teaches, uh, she teaches us something really important about hospitality. And do you know what it is? Whenever you and I make room for another, we make ourselves vulnerable. For Mary, in welcoming God, she made herself vulnerable. She made herself vulnerable to what? Being misunderstood. Uh, She made herself vulnerable to ridicule from society. Uh, She made herself vulnerable from misunderstanding from her husband. And whenever you and I practice hospitality, whenever you and I make space for another, we make ourselves vulnerable. Whenever you make space, whether it be to a family member or a stranger, you make yourself vulnerable. Because you make yourselves open to being misunderstood. You also open yourself up to being taken advantage of or being ridiculed or being slandered. You open yourself up to disappointment. And so a lot of us, we know at Christmas, we just don't want to go there. You don't want to make yourself vulnerable. So what do you do? Well, you take steps to protect your heart. It's like, yes, you can come for Christmas, but I'm not going to be nice. Because I know what you do every year. It's the same thing, right? So again, we offer control or cynicism. And we close our hearts. But here's the thing. When you close your heart for a long period of time, what happens? it's not like your heart remains intact. 
If you close your heart to others, what, what happens? Your heart, it, it, it gets hard, it shrivels, and it dies. The very nature of love is that you, you open yourself up to being hurt. And here's the thing. If we open our hearts, we can encounter God in ways that we may not have ever seen possible. So Mary, despite the risks, she makes room for God. She makes room for God to work in and through her. She makes space in her heart. She says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. May it be unto me according to your word. She makes space in her womb to carry the incarnate word. And by taking all these risks, all generations have called Mary blessed. So let's bring this home then. Do you know why we're called to practice hospitality? Like the fundamental reason why we need to practice hospitality? God practices hospitality. We make space for others because that's exactly what God has done. God is a God who's hospitable. He is a God who constantly makes room. Think about it. He invites ordinary people like you and me to be his family members. Right? You and I are invited into a relationship with the living God of the universe that we can call God Father, Abba, and we are his adopted sons and daughters. Why? Why would God do that? Because that's who he is. He is a God who makes room for others. It's in his very heart. And he welcomes us by coming into our own homes, or into our hearts, even though we don't deserve it, through his empowering presence, the Holy Spirit. And so Christmas is about Emmanuel, God with us, and it reminds us and it confirms to us that you and I are welcome into God's family. And if we pay attention, we will discover that every day, every day, as Alex, as Pastor Alex was saying, every day, there are invitation points into God's story. God makes room for you and me. He welcomes us in day, day in and day out. And, and he welcomes us into what he is doing in this world. So why should we practice hospitality this Christmas? Well, it's part of growing up in Christ. When you and I let go of control, when we trust God at his word, we're vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, we're reflecting the very heart of God. And so I want to leave that with you today. Because this, these past couple of years, uh, we were talking about this uh, ahead of time. I mean, this is our first normal Christmas for a few years, right? with the pandemic and all that going on. But the problem is, is that in these last couple of years, family tension, if there was tension before, was exacerbated and heightened in these last few years. Has it not? I can't have you over. Why can't you have me over? Bonnie Henry says he can't have me over. You know, those sorts of things, right? It's been tough. 
And I think a lot of families, I know, not I think, I know a lot of families have been divided. And so the Christmas story really needs to speak into our hearts this Christmas. And you think about it, just practically, how can we tell people about the story of Christmas? The, the, the story where, where God so loved the world that he sent his son and God invites us, he invites us into a relationship with him. How can we tell people about the expansive heart of God if, we're, if our hearts are closed to our friends and family? If my heart is closed to my brother, if my heart is closed to my mother, if my heart is closed to my friend, how can I talk about the love of Jesus for the world? It makes it very difficult. And again, some of you are probably thinking, yes, yes, that all sounds very good, David, in theory. Um, again, you do not know my family. You do not know my mom. You do not know my mother-in-law. You do not know my friend group. You're right, I don't. But I do know this, that shutting people out is not the way of Jesus, is it? Closing our hearts to people is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is a way of welcome. It's the way of making space. It's the way of making room. He did that for me all those, so many years ago. And how can I not turn around and make space for others? I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it's not easy. But the way of Jesus is never this, right? It's never this. I'm in control. You shall not come into my house. The way of Jesus is always this. Unclenched hands, open hands, and a, and a heart that makes room for others. This is the way of life. This is the way of Christ. And so I'm going to leave that with you as we get closer and closer to Christmas to discern how you will make room for others. Does that sound good? Okay, well, let's pray then. <laughs> Some of you are like, I need prayer, yes. Lord, we, uh, we come before you, and boy, do we ever, we need, we need your grace. Thank you for the fact that you make room for us. Though we are at one point far away from you, lost in our sins, you sent your Son into this world to um, inaugurate your kingdom here to give us a picture of, 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 of who you are and your heart for this world, to fulfill the promises you made all those years ago to your servant Abraham. And so we're thankful for Jesus, and we're thankful that he died the death that we should have died, and he took upon himself the sins of our own lives. But did not stay dead, but was raised to new life, and now in him we receive forgiveness. In him, we are invited into the family of God, where we can be called the God, the living God of the universe, Father. So we're thankful for this, that we are brought in, that you make room for us, such as your grace. May we show the same grace, may we make the same room to those around us. And Lord, you know the people in our hearts, 
and we lift them up to you know those people that are really hard to love and that drive us crazy we lift them up to you and we pray that you would help us to have a heart of Jesus towards them that we would show the same love that you have shown us to them and so this Christmas Lord help us to lean in not to seize control not to enter the season all skeptical and cynical but instead to make ourselves vulnerable and to welcome those around us that is our desire we lay that before you and by the holy spirit you we pray that you would work in our hearts this christmas in jesus name amen now one of the things we're